thank you very much. You're listening to The Jazz Focus here on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. I'm your host, John Clark, and happy to be back with you. Today, our program is going to be dedicated to uh, a little bit of the work of a great but relatively forgotten trumpet player named Fats Navarro. Fats Navarro uh, was born in Key West, Florida in 1923. He uh, came up the usual way through school bands, playing piano and then eventually trumpet. And then he uh, went on the road with some Midwestern bands, including one led by Snookum Russell, uh, which was a, a territory band that toured through the Midwest. And eventually, by about 1945 or so, 44, 45, he ended up in New York City, and he started playing with some name bands. He was a very fine technical trumpet player, had a big, beautiful sound, and was very open to the new jazz uh, things that were happening in the early bebop era. And we'll talk about that in a little while. So his first bands uh, of note were the Andy Kirk Band. Andy Kirk and his Clouds of Joy, he recorded uh, quite a bit with him in the uh, middle 1940s and on uh, air checks and radio broadcasts and things like that. He was lured away from Andy Kirk by Billy Eckstein, the great singer who had made his name with Earl Hines Band in the uh, early 1940s. Eckstein was also a not terrible trumpet player and valve trombone player, and he was very interested in the new thing in jazz, bebop, and his bands um, grew out of the Earl Hines band. Earl Hines had Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and many other uh, soon-to-be bebop players in his ranks, and Eckstein took a lot of those musicians with him when he founded his own band, which is considered in some ways to be the first bebop band. So in about 1946 or so, uh, Dizzy Gillespie left to uh, go back and start doing more combo things. He'd been doing things like that on and off with Charlie Parker. Parker. He made a tour to um, uh, the West Coast. You can take a listen to my podcast, The Jazz Focus, which you can get on uh, Anchor.fm or Spotify or Apple uh, Music, all these different places. And I did a whole podcast on the early Dizzy Gillespie combos without Charlie Parker in that case. And that's uh, where he went. So uh, Billy Eckstein needed to replace Dizzy Gillespie, and he was uh, given the name of Fats Navarro, Theodore Navarro. And uh, after auditioning him, he was convinced that he would make an excellent replacement, and indeed he did. And Eckstein later said that, uh, of course, you always miss Dizzy in the, in the band for his personality and his brilliant solos and section playing and all that, but he said Fats Navarro uh, was so good that you almost didn't notice that Dizzy was gone. He played his parts just as well, and he played solos in a similar style, but not quite the way Dizzy would have played them. So what we just heard were two sides that were cut under Fats Navarro's name. He only did a couple of recording sessions uh, under his own name. He, he wasn't active for too long, as we will see as we go along. Uh, these were done in December, December 5th of 1947, for the Savoy label. And all of the recordings we're going to hear today are uh, ones that were made for Savoy, which was a small record label that uh, started operations in about 1946. Um, there was a whole big kerfuffle in the recording industry in the uh, early to mid-1940s uh, when the union, the Musicians Union, the FFM, uh, dictated that there be a strike uh, and that uh, union musicians could no longer make recordings for the uh, commercial recording companies due to... Uh, problems that they were having getting royalties and residuals and things like that, and it was a big mess. And anyway, uh, commercial recordings were essentially not made for about a year and a half uh, for, uh, during the World War II era, and then also uh, another strike came in about 1946-47, a little bit later, and it really hurt the big companies, Victor and Decca, 
and Columbia especially, and then Capital Recordings too, which was becoming a big company at the time. But when the uh, union started negotiating and uh, allowing musicians back into the recording studios, it opened the way for many, many small record labels. And uh, we have a plethora of little record labels like Savoy and Blue Note and Dial and many, many others that catered to the jazz aficionados in the mid to late 1940s. Savoy had some uh, Dixieland uh, music on it as well, and a little bit of swing too, but it really was noted as a bebop label. Charlie Parker made uh, some of his earliest and greatest recordings on Savoy, and uh, many, many uh, other players from that uh, generation, Stan Getz, uh, Lockjaw Davis, Dexter Gordon, Fats Navarro, uh, lots of other players uh, were recording on Savoy. So this particular recording session was by the Fats Navarro Quintet from, as I said, December of 1947. And we heard two tunes. We're going to hear the other two from that session at the end of the show. We started with Nostalgia, which is considered Fats Navarro's signature tune. This was probably one of his great recordings. It was based on the chord changes in form of uh, a Johnny Green tune called Out of Nowhere. Uh, many bop tunes were based on other tunes. They were called Contrafacts. Uh, not by the musicians, but uh, later on that term was applied to them. And uh, basically it was taking on the, the, the structure and the chord progression of a certain tune, a standard tune or whatever, and writing a new melody to it. And that's how many early bebop musicians uh, separated themselves from the swing musicians. They would uh, play much more complicated melodies at much faster tempos than the swing musicians who would be playing the, the, the written melodies, for example, of Out of Nowhere. And the chord changes would be um, much more complicated as well with passing chords and extensions and things like that that gave them much more of a challenge in improvising. And the bebop musicians in general were better schooled than their uh, previous uh, swing uh, generation musicians who uh, had gone before. Um, those musicians tended to be not entirely self-taught, certainly. Some of them were very highly educated and uh, trained musicians, but the bebop musicians came up through school programs. Some of them, like Miles Davis, went on to Juilliard and conservatories, and they were very uh, well-versed in theory as well as in the technique of their individual instruments. And so they were able to play much more complicated things at much faster tempos and able to negotiate more uh, complicated and, and sometimes uh, uh, overcomplicated chord changes as well. So that was Nostalgia, the first one, and the second one was called Barry's Bop, and that was based on a Cole Porter tune called What Is This Thing Called Love? So in this band uh, on that day, of course, was Fats Navarro on trumpet, Charlie Rouse was on tenor sax. Charlie Rouse at the time was playing in some big bands. Uh, he was going to be going with Duke Ellington for a short period uh, in the late 40s. He also had played with Count Basie in, in his uh, Dectet and in one of his later big bands before he went to the Dectet in 1949. And uh, he was better known, of course, for his long association with Thelonious Monk and the classic Thelonious Monk quintet. Tad Dameron was on piano. Tad Dameron was not known as a particularly outstanding jazz pianist, but what he was was an outstanding composer and arranger. And uh, the tunes that he wrote uh, during this period, things like Good Bait and uh, other, uh, other standards that he put together in the bebop are, are, are known now uh, as classics in the genre. He also was an arranger for big bands. He arranged for uh, of all people, Vaughn Monroe and Hal Kemp, some, some bands that were not known as jazz bands, but they hired him to come in and spruce up their arrangements with some more modern voicings and things like that in the mid to late 40s. We have Nelson Boyd on bass. Nelson Boyd was a, uh, uh, a member of Tad Dameron's groups. Tad uh, had some uh, 
fairly consistent groups during this period, making recordings and also broadcasts, and Art Blakey on drums. And Blakey, of course, is one of the great bebop and hard bop drummers uh, who led bands from the late 1940s up until he died in the 1980s. Uh, and uh, he was the drummer at the time with the Billy Eckstein band, or a little bit before, and that's how he and Vance Navarro came to know each other. We heard some wonderful trumpet playing. Uh, Navarro, as I said, was a great technical trumpet player. He was probably the equal of Dizzy Gillespie in, in range and, and power. And in addition, he had an amazingly large sound, uh, big buttery sound, as it was called. His nickname, Fats, derived partly from that and also, of course, from his weight. And uh, the fact, I guess, he had a high voice as well. So he was known as Fat Girl, which is probably not terribly complimentary, but there you go. Um, and he also was given, as many bebop musicians were, to heavy quotation uh, in his solos. When uh, uh, Nostalgia, for example, we heard the Irish washerwoman and Duke Ellington's rockin' and rhythm come in at different times. Thankfully, that's something that jazz musicians have given up largely over the years, but in these recordings, we can count them and play a very effective drinking game, I suppose, by uh, having a swig of something you like whenever you hear a song you recognize, and uh, just don't drive afterwards. So we're going to move on right now to another uh, set of tunes. Actually, four tunes from two, or actually three different recording dates that feature two different tenor saxophonists and were led by these tenor saxophonists. The first two were led by Eddie Lockjaw Davis, and uh, the band is called Eddie Davis and His Beboppers. And uh, these were from December of 1946. We're going to hear two of the eight tunes that were recorded on uh, those dates. These were obviously features for Lockjaw Davis, who's kind of an uh, uncategorizable saxophonist, I guess I would have to say. He played with big bands like Count Basie's band and in the 60s with the uh, Clark Boland band out in Europe. Uh, he made some excellent recordings with Sonny Stitt as a two-tenor uh, front line, but he wasn't really a bebop player, despite the fact that this band is called the Beboppers. He was probably more of a swing player, and he was known as a, a very exciting player, and his nickname, Lockjaw, sort of gives you an idea of the sound he got. He, he was famous for his screeching and wailing and hollering and, and altissimo notes and things like that, although he could be a very uh, tasty and effective player, and we'll hear some of both on these sides that we're going to hear next. So after that, we're going to hear two sides by Dexter Gordon and his boys. Of course, Dexter Gordon is a very well-known saxophonist with a long career. We'll talk about him after we hear uh, those two tunes. So the four tunes we're going to hear are from Eddie Lockjaw Davis, Hollerin' and Screamin' and Red Pepper, and by Dexter Gordon and his boys, Dextros and Index, all four of which feature the trumpet of Fats Navarro. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that was Fats Navarro playing with two different groups led by two different tenor saxophonists. We started out with the Eddie Lockjaw Davis and his Beboppers session. And uh, two sessions actually, two days apart. December 18th, 1946, produced Hollerin' and Screamin', uh, which was a, a, a takeoff on I Got Rhythm. That was one of the most popular chord progressions for the bebop players. In fact, there are entire sessions uh, that uh, some of these musicians were doing for Savoy and Dial that were exclusively devoted to variations on I Got Rhythm. So I've tried to limit the number of those that we're going to hear today. There are a couple more coming up, though. Uh, that band featured, in addition to Fats Navarro and Eddie Lockjaw Davis, uh, Al Haig, one of the few white uh, bebop players, uh, players, white players who were accepted by the first generation of bebop musicians. He was an excellent pianist and uh, can be heard on many, many recordings before uh, he sort of went into an eclipse in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, many of these musicians we're talking about uh, died quite young uh, or were taken out of circulation quite early due to narcotics and uh, various health problems and uh, unfortunate but thankfully they were recorded and uh, did have successful careers up to that point anyway on guitar we had Huey Long on bass Gene Ramey who was known for playing with Jay McShann's great band out of Kansas City and Denzel Best on drums so that was hollering and screaming after that, we had another uh, Lockjaw Davis recording from two days later, December 20th of 1946, in a tune called Red Pepper. Um, this is sort of based on I Got Rhythm. It's an AABA tune. The A sections are more or less I Got Rhythm, but the B section is actually the bridge to What Is This Thing Called Love? We heard uh, uh, Barry's Bop earlier on from the Fats Navarro Quintet uh, session that was entirely based on that song. This one just takes the bridge, and on Navarro's uh, solo, he actually quotes uh, Hot House, uh, the tune that Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie recorded, which was also based on what is this thing called love. And uh, that particular solo that he did on Red Pepper, Fats Navarro, really shows off his upper register control and his sense of drama, which was something that um, was not an attribute that you would usually associate with many bebop trumpet players who were, were, were flashy or sometimes, as in Miles Davis' case, very understated. But uh, Navarro really had everything going for him. And, uh, you know, his uh, style was picked up if by anybody, probably by Clifford Brown a little bit later. Then we heard two tunes by Dexter Gordon and his boys. This was one of the later Savoy sessions. This was Navarro's last Savoy session. Um, it was not a smooth session, apparently. The sound quality is excellent, but there was a great deal of tension in the studio. Dexter Gordon was not an easy person to work with at that point in his career, um, and apparently negative energy came into that studio. The producer and the recording director were yelling at each other. I guess there were recordings that exist of their um, battles uh, behind the scenes, which conveyed themselves to the musicians and Navarro was supposedly so irritated he ended up leaving without getting paid. But we do have two tunes from this session which were remarkable uh, in their, their musicality. We heard Dextros, which was a tune by Tad Dameron, who's the pianist on this date, along with Nelson Boyd on bass and Art Mardigan on drums. Dextros was based on uh, a K-Swift tune called Fine and Dandy. And then we ended up with our first blues of the show, Index, which uh, let Dexter Gordon and Fats Navarro stretched out at some length in each case. And so we get a sense of what the bebop blues situation was as well. So our next little set is going to uh, be devoted or divided uh, between two groups again. The first is the Tad Dameron Quintet. And as I mentioned, Fats Navarro and Tad Dameron played together quite a lot. Dameron was a really remarkable um, uh, composer and arranger and uh, 
he and Thelonious Monk were probably the two most notable composers from jazz of this period. Dameron's career uh, continued through the 50s. By about 1960, he had had significant narcotics problems, and he died in the early 60s of, of uh, a couple of heart attacks, unfortunately. Although he did make a, a number of great LPs and sessions like this one, which featured his compositions. We're going to hear two tunes uh, from this, the Tad Walk and Bebop Carol, both uh, Dameron compositions. The other two tunes from this date featured a vocalist named Kay Penton, and they're very interesting too, but I decided to go with the instrumentalist in this case. We're going to hear uh, another saxophonist, this time an alto saxophonist. Ernie Henry uh, is on alto. He was an interesting player who uh, was uh, very well thought of in, the, in this bebop period, and again, he had narcotics issues that kept him out of circulation for a while, so he's not as well known as he should be, but some marvelous playing. We have Curly Russell on bass, who was a uh, uh, a frequent participant in the Charlie Parker sessions at this time, and also Kenny Clark, who was one of the first bebop drummers. His career went back to the 1930s, but he was one of the first drummers to introduce some of the bebop effects into his playing. So that'll be the Tad Walk and Bebop Carol from October 28th of 1947. And then we're going to go back uh, to January of 1947, and we're going to hear Fats Navarro and his Thin Men. And I'll tell you about who his thin men were a little bit later, but the two tunes we'll hear are Ebb Pop and Ice Freezes Red. So our four tunes featuring Tad uh, Dameron's uh, quintet and Fats Navarro and his thin men, both featuring Navarro and Dameron. We're going to hear Tad Walk, Bebop Carol, Ebb Pop, and Ice Freezes Red. <laughs> Thank you. 
So, two tunes by the Tad Dameron Quintet featuring Fats Navarro. We heard Tad Walk. Um, both of these were from October of 1947 for Savoy Records. Tad Walk, uh, 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 yeah, Tad Walk was based on the George Gershwin tune, uh, Lady Be Good. It was actually a medley of George Gershwin tunes because the A sections were Lady Be Good and the B section was I Got Rhythm. So, a new type of uh, combination there. And then we followed that up with Bebop Carol, which was based on another early 30s standard called Mean to Me. And uh, even the melody of Bebop Carol sort of quotes from the melody of Mean to Me. So in that band, in addition to Fats Navarro, who did some really extraordinary playing on both of those tracks, we heard Ernie Henry on alto sax. As I said, Ernie Henry was a very well thought of bebop alto player in the late 40s and 50s. He died uh, at the age of 26 of a heroin overdose, and that carried off well, probably about half of what uh, half of the musicians we're hearing today had some form of heroin addiction that contributed to their early death. We also had Tad Dameron on piano, Curly Russell on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums. Then we followed that up with two tunes by Fats Navarro and his Thin Men. As we said, Fats Navarro was given his nickname uh, with no sense of irony involved. He apparently made it up to about 250 pounds at one point, which was pretty big for a uh, fellow not especially tall either. And uh, his sound also was a part of uh, his nickname, that whole fat sound that he got. We heard Ebb Pop. I, I've been saying Ebb Pop. I should enunciate more closely. Ebb Pop. So it's sort of a, a reverse or a mirror image of Bebop, but not quite. But anyway, that was the, uh, the influence. That was a tune that featured Leo Parker on baritone sax, another uh, musician who, uh, whose career was cut shot by, uh, short by narcotics addiction. He had played with the Billy Eckstein Band and with um, a number of other great uh, bebop big bands and small groups as well. He was uh, one of the few African-American stylists on the baritone sax in the bebop era. Cecil Payne was another one. Um, and uh, they really tried to follow Charlie Parker as closely as possible rather than the uh, existing example of someone like Harry Carney uh, with the Duke Ellington Band who played with that big, rich sound. Uh, the Bebop Barry players were trying to get more fluidity uh, going and to move faster, so they had to change their sound a little bit. And Leo Parker probably sounded more like Lester Young than any of the saxophone players we've heard today. He uh, was, a, was a Lester Young fan, certainly, and he got that kind of melodic style going uh, when he was really on the mark. We also heard Tad Dameron on piano, uh, taking a short piano solo in there as well, and also Gene Ramey on bass and Denzel Best on drums. And I should mention that Ebb Pobb was a tune that was in the book of the Tad Dameron band as well. Uh, he did not compose this, uh, but he uh, obviously featured it. It was a, a tune co-composed by Fats Navarro and Leo Parker. And of course, Navarro played with Dameron's band, and I believe Leo Parker did uh, for time as well. That was generally a, a six or a seven-piece band, and there are some excellent live recordings from the Royal Roost of, of that group playing Tad Dameron's original recording, uh, original compositions. We finished off that set with Ice Freezes Red, also from the Fats Navarro's Thin Men session. This is a tune that's based on a, a very early tune in jazz history, Back Home Again in Indiana, which was the first tune uh, recorded by a jazz band. Back in 1917 when it was composed, it was the first tune recorded, although not released, by the original Dixieland Jazz Band. And the chord changes were uh, ones that uh, the bebop players were very fond of. And there are a number of tunes that are, are, are based on those chord changes, including Donna Lee, uh, always uh, attributed to Charlie Parker. It really 
is probably a song by uh, Miles Davis. Miles was playing with Bird at that time, and Charlie Parker may have asserted the leader's prerogative and taken that tune from him and put his name on it, but it's much more consistent with Miles Davis's compositions. And you can even hear a little bit of that in the melody and in some of the... Um, uh, some of the uh, solos as well. Uh, the beginning of the melody starts out with uh, a quote from uh, a kind of a riff that the bebop players use called I Get the Neck of the Chicken, and uh, that unites the, uh, the, the, the tune pretty well. Um, we also heard at the beginning, or actually in the middle of one of Leo Parker's solo turns there, uh, a quote from the introduction to the Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie tune, Bebop. And so it shows that everybody was paying attention to what everybody else was doing back then. This was in 1946 and 47, really the beginning of the Bebop era. Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie had been playing together for year and a half or so in, on Swing Street and then out in uh, Billy Berg's club in Los Angeles uh, at that point, and they'd been making recordings uh, both together and independently of each other. But this younger generation of musicians, slightly younger than Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker, started making recordings uh, for these small labels, Dial and Savoy and Blue Note and so forth, and uh, they really started experimenting with the style. Eventually, uh, bebop was a little bit of a dead end because it was so complicated, uh, it morphed into to, of course, Cool Jazz with uh, uh, Miles Davis' great recordings in 1949, and more directly into the hard bop style uh, with Miles Davis and John Coltrane and Art Blakey. Uh, it was, I wouldn't say simplified, but a, a streamlined version of bebop that really kind of restored the beat and even some of the dance groove in, in some ways to the music as well. We have two more tunes uh, from the same session that we started out our program with, and uh, again, this is our salute to Fats Navarro. Um, as I said, he was one of those musicians who died an early death, and uh, he was a, a heroin addict uh, for most of his time in New York. Many of these musicians may have taken on their habit from the example of Charlie Parker, who was one of the most notorious addicts at the time. Uh, Navarro had other health problems, including weight, of course, but also he had tuberculosis, which was not a disease that had been completely eradicated by this time. And he was one of several notable American musicians who died of tuberculosis, really at the height of their powers. Charlie Christian was another one, the great electric guitarist who was playing with Benny Goodman at the time. Uh, Jimmy Blanton, uh, the bass player with uh, Duke Ellington in 1940 and 41, and also the singing brakeman, uh, Jimmy Rogers, the great first great country music star. They all passed away very much before their time uh, from a combination of things, but uh, largely due to tuberculosis. So the two tunes we're going to finish up with are Bebop Romp and Fats Blows. And this goes back to December 5th of 1947 in the Fats Navarro Quintet. Again, Fats Navarro on trumpet, Charlie Rouse on tr tenor sax, Tad Dameron again, uh, Nelson Boyd, and Art Blakey on drums. So we'll listen to those, and then we'll come back and say our goodbyes. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. 
So that was the Bebop Romp, followed by Fats Blows. Bebop Romp was based on Fine and Dandy. That's a Fats Navarro comp uh, composition, I believe. And Fats Blows is another tune based on Lady Be Good. So we steered away from yet another I Got Rhythm, but we still ended up with a Gershwin tune. A little bit uh, short on the blues on this session. Um, actually, none of the four tunes that the Fats Navarro Quintet recorded on December 5th of 1947 was a blues. A little bit unusual, but uh, kind of interesting. Um... There were certainly a lot of other Fats Navarro recordings that we could have picked from. Uh, he recorded frequently for Blue Note at the time with Tad Dameron, with uh, other groups as well. He recorded with uh, Coleman Hawkins, with Kenny Clark, uh, with certainly with the Andy Kirk Band, and a little bit with Billy Eckstein, and uh, with many other groups as well. As I said, he passed away uh, of a comp combination of different illnesses in early July of 1950, and uh, he was only... 27 years old, not even quite 27, I believe, but we have a recording from about three days before he died, or four days, I think it was right before, maybe even the day he went into the hospital for the last time, if we believe the, the notes to uh, the recording. It was a live recording with the Charlie Parker Quintet, uh, a live uh, date that was captured off the air, and uh, he sounds in fine fettle, so he was playing very well right up to the end, so that's something to consider. So this has been our tribute to Fats Navarro here on the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you've enjoyed the program and hope uh, you tune in again next week uh, to hear what we might be doing. We want to thank WETF, the Jazz Station, South Bend, Indiana, and uh, hope uh, to see you soon. So once more, the Jazz Focus and John Clark. <laughs>